You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. We live. This is Locked On Hornets, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. Check us all out on Twitter, at Walker Mail, at Nod of the Scribe, and at Doug Branson, LOH. You can find the show handle on most social media platforms at Locked on Hornets. It's a normal Tuesday after the holiday season, and that means Rick Bennell is back with us weekly from the Charlotte Observer. You can find him on Twitter at Rick underscore Bennell. Rick, thanks again for hopping on with us. How are you? Absolutely. I hope you had a wonderful New Year. Yeah, I appreciate it, Rick. Same to you. And the Charlotte Hornets, they're they're looking to have a better New Year than what it started off with on January 2nd, Rick. I mean, that Dallas Mavericks game, it was brutal. And now here they are on this road trip. And they've had to go because of a couple of injuries. They've had to go to a couple of other guys like Billy Hernan Gomez. But also Devontae Graham, Rick. I mean, here's a guy that's coming in and starting over Malik Monk at that second backcourt position alongside Kemba Walker. Jeremy Lamb is questionable for this game against the Clippers here tonight. We don't know exactly what's going to be from him in the next uh, couple of games, at least from this road trip. How do you expect when he does come back? How do you expect the Charlotte Hornets to use Devontae Graham going forward? Well, you know, Walker, the one thing definitively that we have learned about James Borrego is that he is improvisational. Uh, He has used more than 250 different lineups already this season. So when he sees a hot hand, I don't think he's going to be intransient about using it. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a simple thing uh, because, you know, God, I mean, you know, you've got to use Tony. I mean, he, um, he's, he's, Frankly, I think he's got physically got so much more than we ever anticipated this season. But it's interesting to me that Borrego has tested um, um, Devane's ability to defend two guards, almost in a Jeremy Lin kind of fashion. And I think you'll see more of that. Uh, I think that um, it's going to become very much situational how those minutes uh, behind, Lair, um, behind Lamb are used once he comes back. I don't think it's just a default that Malik is the only person um, who gets those minutes now. I, I think that Devani has proven that he is not just a develop, developmental piece anymore. He's a functional piece, and that's going to continue. Yeah, Rick, what, what do you like from his game in particular? Uh, incredible maturity, physically as well as, as mentally and emotionally. Um, it's like, you know, Tony put it very simply. I said to him, you know, what is it about Devani that makes him different from, from, from most rookies? And he said, it's simple. He's a grown-up. Um, he, makes sen- he makes sensible decisions. I mean, think about how awful the backup point guard situation had been the previous two seasons here. The idea that a second-round rookie came in and had a game with the Hornets where he started where he had eight assists and no turnovers, it would seem inconceivable the last two seasons. And, Rick, you bring up Tony a couple times. Again, he just keeps coming up with these games where he's fantastic coming off the bench. 20 points against the Phoenix Suns. They needed it. You know, they win by six, but that's from an unnecessary three-pointer that Kimba Walker just kind of inexplicably throws up at the buzzer. But, but Tony has been amazing. And physically, Tony is getting to the rim well. I mean, he's getting into the paint just like old Spurs Tony. Uh, how much better is he physically than we expected coming into the season? 
Brett Brown, the Sixers coach, who was a longtime pop assistant, told a story about how Tony, when he was growing up, um, his mother was an absolute health food person long before that that was a worldwide trend. Um, Tony was almost never allowed to eat junk food or sugar as a kid, and he is honestly convinced now that the the diet that he had growing up contributes to his longevity. Uh, he really takes care of himself. Now, having said all that, what you know the, that the horrible ligament injury that he had coming out of the bottom of his knee two years ago—that's a—that's an injury that can end careers. Uh, the fact that Tony has rehabbed his leg to a point that you cannot tell that he had that horrible injury. Um, that's kind of remarkable, and I don't know, uh, uh, you know, what I'm about to say. But if if I'm a contending general manager, I have certainly made a call and maybe multiple calls to Cupcheck to ask him if there's any way that Tony could be pried away from that team. I, if I were a, a, a general manager and a contender, I'd be willing to give up a first round pick for Tony Parker. Well, if that's the case, Rick, would that be the circumstance that you would be willing to get rid of Tony Parker? What, what would it take to get in return in order for you to send Tony Parker to another team? I, I wouldn't give up. I absolutely would not give up Tony if I, if I were Mitch Kupchak, if I believed the Hornets were going to be in the playoffs. I, don't, I think that, that you really can't do that to James Borrego, because remember, Tony's value is not just what he does on the court. It's his ability to make these other guys you know, better for his experience and to inflict the values and priorities that Borrego wants in this team. Um, now, now, having said that, and obviously you and I have had this discussion before in a more general way, if they really go into you know into the crapper um, the rest of the, the month, um, record wise, then I think there are all kinds of decisions that you have to visit. Certainly, including what you might do with Jeremy Lamb. Rick, continuing with Tony Parker, just one more question: You have the Spurs game that's going to end this road trip, and Tony Parker going to have that reunion. Uh, Kawhi Leonard got booed when he came back to the Spurs. I doubt you'll get that with Tony Parker. What do you expect in that reunion game? Uh, the definitive big fish little pond experience that shoot around on that Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I am guessing, you know, seven, eight television crews. I, I plan to get to that shoot around really early so that I can have a, a prime seat for, uh, Tony talking to, to San Antonio. Um, you know, we forget, you know, he was a, he was an NBA finals MVP. He's going to be a hall of famer. Um, he is, I mean, he's not Tim Duncan, but he's, you know, number two as far as the, you know, the most important um, spur in that time span. Uh, It's a really, really big deal, I think, for him to come back to San Antonio for the first time. Basketball reference gave him an 82% chance to make the playoffs. You know, 538, I think they gave him at about a 50%, maybe a little bit above. Now, Rick, should we feel better, though, about the Charlotte Hornets team because of the way they competed against Detroit, where they've won three times, against Miami, where they've won twice, and Orlando and Brooklyn? You know, they split with Brooklyn, but they beat Orlando a couple times. I mean, should that give us some kind of solace in their playoff chances? I do think that that's the uh, that's a, a significant factor probably in those projections in the sense that you know when you ask are they going to make the playoffs honestly I think that you know seeing that 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 
people think they have a better than 50-50 chance of doing that probably more reflects, well, who replaced them rather than, oh, my gosh, they're this you know terrific team that everybody's going to be scared of. Um, Walker, the reality of the situation is that there is a significant gap, some would say a gulf, I think, between those the, the, the five best teams in the East and everybody else. I, that does not mean that I think that making the playoffs is insignificant. And and I really think that, you know, when people say, oh, what's the point of being the sixth or seventh or eighth seed, my reaction to that is um, I think it's really valuable that the young players in this team, um, Bridges and Monk and now Devontae, they need to experience the postseason. It's a different animal. And you want them to you know, to go through that. Uh, you're better for that experience. You are less shocked by it. It's just different. The Hornets play the Clippers tonight, and Shea Gilgis-Alexander, their rookie point guard, their rookie guard, was a Hornet for about five minutes before he was traded to the Clippers in exchange for the rights to draft Miles Bridges. Rick, Shea Gilgis-Alexander has been very good for them this season. I know you were high on him. I was high on him as well. Uh, what do you think, just back to that night, and what you see now from Miles in a Hornets uniform to what SGA is doing with the Clippers? What do you think about that trade now that we're here? The fix was in. Um, it was, you know, Che is a very extroverted, articulate, engaging person in media situations. And he absolutely clammed up in Chicago. Uh, we knew that there was something weird going on when at the pre-draft camp he refused to talk to us at all about who he had met with and who he was um, going to be working out for. Um, you could tell that he had been rehearsed on what to say and what not to say. What became apparent was that some somebody that he really wanted to play for had made him a promise. And as the weeks went by, you could tell more and more that that must be the Clippers. He worked out for, to my knowledge, next to nobody but the Clippers. Um, his agent and he made a determination whether they will acknowledge it or not that it was more important to him to go, to go to that team that wanted him very much than, you know, be drafted as high as he could be. And the Hornets and a lot of other teams didn't get a chance to, to check him out. I don't know to how much or little that affected other teams' um, interest in drafting him, but he got to where he wanted to be. Um, my question is what I mean. I don't. I do not want people to to take what I'm about to say as any sort of a negative on Miles Bridges. I think he's a really good player, a really mature player, and he can play multiple positions. He can switch. He's what you want in an NBA player. But it's really hard to get point guards, and it's a lot harder to find point guards who are six foot six. And there, I think that there will be a question uh, in the long haul about whether. Miles Bridges, rather than Shea Gilders Alexander, was the best long-term decision for this team. And not that this has any outlook on Miles Bridges' future, but you have seen the last no. seven games. Well, and, and your point as well as to this, Rick. I mean, you look at the last seven games for Miles. You know, he's only played over twenty minutes against the Magic and Dallas, and that had garbage time included in both outcomes. The other times, the most he's played is 13. He actually got a DNP CD against the Wizards. Is just this a, a rookie wall, Rick, or is Borrego shortening up the rotation to veterans that he feels comfortable trusting? I think it's harder to play um, inexperienced players on the road than it is at home. 
And I think that, um, I, you know, we asked JB, a, a, you know, a while back about his philosophy about develop, developmental situations. You know, there's a, a dichotomy in this league about, you know, is it best to just give young players a whole lot of time to have them experience as much as possible? Or do you use, um, you, do you deprive them of minutes as a teaching tool um, when they're making mistakes? Um, I think JB is more the latter than the former. Um, he, you, you, people know that um, they will always get second chances with JB, but he is not going to just sit there and watch you play through your mistakes. We've seen that very much, you know, with, with Malik this season. We've seen it with Dwayne Bacon, and now I think we're seeing some with, with Miles Bridges. I think that's more. Um, I think that's more a reflection of JB's philosophy about developmental players than it is about any single one of them. All right, it's Rick Bennell from the Charlotte Observer joining us again on a Tuesday. You can find all of his work at his handle on Twitter, at Rick underscore Bennell. Rick, thanks so much for joining us once again. We appreciate it. Sure thing, Walker. You have a good day. Good to have Tuesdays with Rick back. Always like having those episodes drop on a Tuesday with Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer joining us at least once a week. We're giving you daily Hornets talk in your podcast feed. We need you to show your support by joining our Patreon page. For just as little as $1 a month, you'll be supporting the content that you depend on. Patreon.com slash LOH. Again, that's Patreon.com slash LOH. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back with more here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. You know, Golden State spent almost a minuscule amount of time with zero of their starters out on the floor. They had at least one out there the entire you time. Have four Hall of Famers. Yeah, they do. <laughs> and so you just you put them have, anywhere. You just have one out Stack there. Stack them up. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Back in the Gittimer.com studios in Uptown Charlotte, if you're in sales and need help, visit Gittimer.com today to learn how they can help you do the one thing you want to do. That's make more sales. Got Nada back on the mic, Doug Branson back producing, running the ones and twos. It's good to have everybody back in the studio. And we've got the Clippers tonight, and we just talked with Rick Bennell. Glad to have him back, regularly a part of the program because of the holiday schedule. Things got a little bit weird, but now we are back. And that's the depressing part about Christmas and New New Year's ending is that it's a long time before you have another holiday to celebrate as far as getting time off. Speak for years. Like, literally, this is like the silly se- No, I don't have time off. This is the silly season, though, because you got to think about it. You've got <laughs> All-Star coming up. Merry silly season. Yeah. You've got, again, you've got the NFL draft that you have to cover. You've got March Madness and the playoffs and then the NBA draft and the NFL draft. It's nuts. Fresh off of the college football championship yes. last night, by the way, which was a crazy outcome. Yeah, which I stayed up for like three quarters of. I know. It, it was a lot. So when you look at uh, Devontae Graham, as I asked him about in the very first question for Rick Bennell, uh Devontae Graham has been good. I mean, we've talked about what he's been able to do since he's been implemented really into the rotation. Then we saw him get the starting nod over Malik Monk when Jeremy Lamb was injured with his first start. Came against the Dallas Mavericks. That was an awful game, but not necessarily because of Devontae. Just nobody showed up for that game. Yes. And you've seen Devontae continue to be a big part of this team because of Jeremy Lamb's absence. The guy has been good for a second-round point guard. 
he has been poised. He has been mature. You have seen this exact same things Rick talked about, about why he thinks that he has been a good guy to bring in and put in this rotation. How do you think that James Borrego uses him? Bunnell obviously mentioning that Borrego has been improvisational. We don't know how he's going to use some of these guys sometimes. And despite that, despite the fact that sometimes the rotations for Borrego have been kind of scattershot, and sometimes they've made sense, other times they haven't made sense. But for a, a rookie like that, Devontae Graham to show up, to do his job, to guard twos, which I think Rick mentioned, which was a big thing because we hadn't seen like a small point guard do that since Lynn had been here. I think he's done fairly well, quite honestly. I think it's interesting to watch the differences in how Devontae Graham is being used versus Jeremy Lamb because Jeremy Lamb is really someone who finishes offense, right? He can get his own shot, loves to drive to the rim, can knock down threes, catch and shoot kind of guy. He finishes offense, but really Devontae starts offense. You've seen his ability to use that first uh, quick step to get to the rim, but then he's looking for others. Mm-hmm. So he, I think he really gets the ball movement going for the offense, and it's just something. It's a different look completely than what you get with Jeremy Lamb. And Rick mentioning there, asking Tony about what makes Devontae Graham so different, and asking some of the guys within the organization. And Tony said it's simple. He's a grown up, and it is weird. You look at Devontae Graham. He's 23 years old. I think he's going to be 24 in May. He's three years older than what Malik Monk is. He's three yeah. years older than what Miles Bridges is. And here's an older guy where he might not have had the experience, as much experience in the NBA as Malik Monk, but he's got more experience just playing where basketball matters, in general. Yeah. Right. I mean, he played with Kansas, and he was the Big 12 player of the year. You know, He was an amazing basketball player running a dominant program like Kansas, and so you can trust him a little bit, even when he's been in the G League scoring 38 points. You can trust him to be part of this rotation, and Borrego obviously has. He's a straight-up gam. Grown-ass man. <laughs> oh, Devontae Gam. I didn't, <laughs> didn't even know that was going. I I know. Yeah. I'll agree though. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that. Again, G nice. dot A dot M dot. Yes. Gam. Yes. That's his initials. That's what he puts oh, down God. when you ask for his initials. I agree. He has been. Every now and again, I try to record something with Doug, and Doug just does that and just throws like a complete monkey wrench in the Yes, he's very thing. good about grabbing the wheel and throwing us in a ditch. We'll try to have this on the road, and he'll grab the wheel Love and get the us ditch. off the road. Love the ditch. Ten Ditches are great pod, places, dead. by the way. Ten and two pod, Dad. <laughs> I, I'll try to keep it at ten and two. But Devontae Graham, it'll be, it will be interesting to see how Borrego uses him going forward when Jeremy Lamb is back in the lineup. And Malik Monk has to be in this consideration as well. I, I think he does, but he doesn't. If he has another one of those defensive swoons where he's really not trying on defense, and I think there's a difference between not defending someone well and not trying, and we've seen the latter mm-hmm. with Malik Monk. He's gotten better, though. He's I mean, gotten better. He, it. it seems like he's gotten the message when he sat down, and he puts more of an effort there, and has actually been decent. But you know, it, it's you're right. It's still a work in progress, to say the least. A lot of uses for ditches. Water runoff being one of them keeps water out of your house. Also keeps you from running off of a mountain. So don't listen. Don't. So one thing <laughs> that Rick and I did not talk about. In the Shea Gilgis Alexander relation, right? Oh so Shea Gilgis Alexander, I don't know if you guys know this. I was very high on him in the oh, pre-draft Lord. process. Hey, Tom Shea Gil- 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 <laughs> <laughs> love me some SGA. Oh, no. He is having a very good rookie season with the LA Clippers right now. He is. He he's shooting very efficiently from the three-point land, and also just in general shooting about fifty percent. I think forty-nine. So he is having a very good year. But that's not to say that Miles is not 
at least for me, exceeding the expectations. He has shown you glimpses of some really fascinating stuff. And I, I, I think you feel good about Miles Bridges being in a Hornets uniform. So the one thing that's interesting to think about SGA didn't want to work out for anybody. It seemed like he really wanted to go play for the L.A. Clippers. The Clippers promised him a spot that we were going to go try to get you. Once the Hornets were up, we knew that the Hornets had been linked heavily to Shea Gilgis-Alexander, despite SGA refusing to work for the Hornets, among other teams. So the Clippers get him. The Hornets get Miles Bridges. But what's interesting is let's say that the Hornets do keep Shea Gilgis Alexander. Yes. You do have Tony Parker on this roster as well. I don't think that changes anything. I still think you get Tony, but you obviously don't get Devontae Graham. So now the question is I think that Shea Gilgis Alexander, I don't think he's a lock, but I think it's pretty damn close to a lock that he's going to be a first team All NBA rookie selection. I agree. I, I think it's he and Trey Young. Right in the backcourt, I think Trey Young's just going to get it because of total numbers, right? Trey, I mean, Trey Young has been good. Well, he's been he's been better lately. Yeah. You know, the field goal percentage they're, they're still a little scary, but they've been better lately. And and regardless of, of what you think about the efficiency for him, I there's a lot to be said for Trey Young not being on this team. But the the total numbers I think are just going to be so great, and I don't think there's any other point guards taking that away from him. There's not any other guards right, that are talking. Right, they're they're not going to take that tab away from him. So the front court's already set. Yeah, now, Luka Doncic, even though you could argue he's a backcourt guy, he's going to be in the front court as far as this selection process goes. Yeah. So Luka Doncic, DeAndre Ayton, Jaron Jackson, I, I, that's a lot. That's right? that's absolutely. They're less. all phenomenal. They all look. Like Bagley may push if he gets healthy. Yeah, and and I don't think so. No. But but no, you know, right, Bagley's having a good season as well you go to the backcourt SGA is having a good season so let's just say that SGA continues to build on what looks to be one of the better rookies that were drafted but you have a chance to have Miles Bridges who still his future is far from set here's a guy that could pass a lot of these other uh, rookies that are in this draft class and you have Devontae who you know I love and we all love you know that that'll be the interesting situation would you sacrifice a Devontae Graham and a Miles Bridges just to have your SGA on this team. What if I could blow your mind right now and say oh, I would love it. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm, what if? I, it's yeah, a big it, what if. If you if you say one thing, let it blow my mind today. I would I would tell you this. I think that Devontae Graham was headed here no matter what. I think if anything, it just means Devontae's taking McCurra spot. Where they still trade up. They still get two point guards on this team because, again, this is Tony Parker we're talking about who had suspect health to begin with. But I still think they were going to grab two point guards no matter what. And I think Graham would have just taken McCurra's spot. Or, again, remember, the other two-way guy, Joe Cheely. I'm pretty sure that Devontae Grant, like Joe Cheely is not holding up a Devontae Graham. Well, did that blow your mind? It, it did not. It, it fell short. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, but it's fine. I, I get, but I do get the sentiment. I do understand what you're saying. And I do think that the Hornets probably wanted Devontae Graham all along. You know, what's funny is I, I remember interviewing Devontae after he was drafted and Devontae said that he was surprised that the Charlotte Hornets drafted him. He thought he was going to stick with the Atlanta Hawks. He had worked out with them. Yeah. Atlanta had told him that they really liked him, that they were going to get him if they had a chance too early in the second round, and they had that high draft pick. So he was surprised that the Hornets were able to get him. Um, but, yeah, here he is. And, and it's interesting to see a couple of these rookies. You know, when Bobby Marks – I like to go back to that article. Yeah. You know, Bobby Marks said as far as entertaining teams right now, teams with cap space, teams that have hope for the future, Charlotte Hornets was dead last on his list. Yes. They were dead last. 
He also said, I would redo that. I think it was, what, after the first month of the season? I would redo that with the way Kimba Walker's playing, with Malik Monk playing, I think, pretty well at the time, fine at the time. Miles Bridges giving you the highlight dunks. And then I, I That was take, without Graham, right, too. Right, that was without Graham. And so I'd be interested to see where he would rank them now. You know, even given Miles Bridges, maybe his minutes getting logged down or getting uh, getting taken away from him a little. That's bit just because he can't. That's the same. But that's basically right. because he can't defend. Well, and there's also the rookie wall. I very much yeah. believe in. You know, they, they've already played a full season in collegiate, that's right, and, and the collegiate level. You know, the collegiate level is like 40 games. You know, they they've played they're, their they're, 40 games. Yeah. They're here right now. So I'm interested to see how the rookie situation is going to pan out for the Charlotte Hornets. And you have a guy, a guy on the other side of the floor tonight on Shea Gildas Alexander, who you did draft. It will go down in history as you drafting him. And and the other thing is like ditches are also used for farming irrigation. Do you not like farming? Do you not like food? Do you not like apples? I just I like apples. We're coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in Uptown Charlotte, and Doug's got some great analysis on ditches next here on the Locked On Hornets podcast. This is Locked On Hornets. To start this off, we all know about LeBron and how he built a school and it got a lot of fanfare. By the time 2019 closes, Bismack Biombo is planning to have six. Schools. Take that, LeBron. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Speaking of that Clemson National Championship game last night, did you like Lil Wayne's outfit in the halftime show? Did you he see it? He looked like a Final Fantasy character. <laughs> he looked that like, was amazing. That was not amazing. Did he raid Whoopi Goldberg's closet? <laughs> that's... that's there's been a lot of descriptions about Lil Wayne's outfits. I think you won. I think Whoopi Goldberg's closet rating, I think that is absolutely the one that wins for me. And I've seen a lot. There was some great tweets about it last night. I think you win. So, Nada, that did just blow my mind. You promised. You're welcome. And it blew my mind. Thank you Delayed very much. Delayed gratification. Uh, here on the Locked on Hornets podcast, discussing the Hornets, having the Los Angeles Clippers tonight. Late game, 1030. Always tough when they make these road trips, especially out and they have the latest possible time that they usually play. 10.30 tonight. going to be tough if you want to stay up and watch it in its entirety or even just the first half. I know I'm going to have trouble doing it. Uh, yeah, you're going to have trouble doing it. I'm probably getting up at – I'm probably going to take a nap. Probably not going to watch it live. I'm going to watch it DVR'd because I ain't staying up that late. I'm too old. Yeah, and I, I'm probably – like it's probably just because I have to wake up at 4 yeah. It's probably going to be a first half watching and then maybe just a highlight diving through those and the numbers after that and trying to find as much as I can. I apologize. It'll just have to be that half of basketball that I'm going to miss for the Hornets this season. But it is going to be a late game. Some things to look at as how they're going to match up with the Clippers. Clippers are very good at the scoring of the basketball. They're fourth in points per game, seventh in field goal percentage, and fourth in three-point percentage, and by a decent amount above Indiana, who comes in at five, by the way. So not only do they score a lot of points, but they're very efficient from within and from outside the three-point line. Which is a problem. Which, I don't know if you watch Hornets basketball at all, the Hornets not very good at defending the three, so that could be a problem for them tonight. That is a big problem for them. The one area where they can actually be okay is that Montrez Harrell is their center. They He gets a lot of minutes for them. Now, granted, they do have Boban, and they will throw him out there, but you can go a lot of Marvin Williams at center, get a little bit smaller, match up a little bit better, 
And it may be one of those games where you're just going to have to go small, defend the hell out of everything, and pray somebody else other than Kemba shows up because Avery Bradley, it's going to be a combo of Avery Bradley, Patrick Beverly on him tonight, and he's probably going to have a hard time scoring. With that kind of scoring, it doesn't seem like a Billy night as far as defending. <laughs> it looks like it's going to be tough from him. Maybe he can put some points on the board. The Clippers are 24th in points allowed per game, but Billy did play well against the Phoenix Suns, certainly offensively. you got to grade that on a curve. Yeah, I understand that, and I think it has been well documented in the last episode that we just had talking about Billy. It was graded on a curve, but we'll give him the credit. So we'll see how they handle the big, uh, the big situation tonight. They do foul a lot. The Clippers do. They allow the third most free throw attempts per game per night at 26 and a half attempts a game. So maybe you can see the Charlotte Hornets get to the charity stripe a little bit as maybe some shots aren't falling. You know Kimbo's going to try to take advantage of that as he drives to the paint. Yes, that, that's another thing. The other thing that I want to highlight is I don't think they win if Lamb's not healthy. If Lamb's not going to go tonight, I don't see any way they win this one at all. Because you're talking about getting to the line. Lamb's one of the better guys at getting to the line for the Charlotte Hornets. And if they can't, if he's not there, who do you trust outside of Kemba to get to the line right at this point? Well, the, talking about just the field goal percentage that they have, I mean, it's pretty amazing to see some of the guys that are the biggest contributors and what they're able to do. Mm-hmm. How about Tobias Harris, notorious Charlotte Hornet killer, Frank former Kim- Bobcat? Yeah, former Bobcat, by the way, drafted by the Bobcats before he eventually suited up for the first team ever with the Milwaukee Bucks, his first team ever with the Milwaukee Bucks. You look at Tobias Harris and the kind of year that he's having, shooting 50% from the field, mm-hmm. 43% from outside the three-point line. This is a fantastic year from Tobias. And you look at Gallinari, you know, he's been able to stay healthy, which has been his number one problem throughout yes. his career. He's been a good player, but he's always been hurt. 45% from the field, 44 percent from three you look at Montrez Harrell I mean you could expect the field goal percentage to be up from that type of offensive player Shea Gilgis again he's having a very efficient season you know then you get to Avery Bradley at the shooting guard position and now that might be one of the more interesting matchups because Lou Williams he's not shooting uh, a very efficient percentage from the field at just 42 but you know he doesn't start he's a constant six man of the year candidate, but he's going to get majority of the minutes at that shooting guard spot. Avery Bradley has not had a good year. Avery Bradley has not had a good year offensively. Defensively, he's still one of the better undersized twos in terms of defending. That's why I think they're going to need him and Beverly tonight to defend Kemba. I, you wonder if that's going to be a weak spot later and they just start going offense defense with um, Lou Williams and Avery Bradley, or do they just go, Lou Will at one, Avery Bradley at two to close the game. That that could be the game right there. You look at the line for tonight. It's the Lakers at six and a half. Lakers? Where you go? Or excuse me, Clippers. Six and a half. Who are you going with? I'm taking the Clippers. Taking the Clippers, win it by more? Yeah, I probably would too. Uh, they got to win another road game besides the Suns before I can actually feel any type of good about this road trip. We've gone over this, Walker. I, I don't trust this team and the line. I'm taking the opposing team every time. You know why? Because I like money. You know, I think that's probably a smart decision. All right, so I have some numbers here on Tobias Harris, the Charlotte Hornets killer. Are, are we correct about him killing the Charlotte Hornets? We're pretty correct. So career averages of 15 points on 47% shooting and 36% from beyond the arc. So not bad numbers overall for Tobias. But he has had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, almost 10 games of 20 or more points against Charlotte. Back in the 2016-17 season, he racked up 
Oh, nearly 75 points against the Hornets in three games, all victories for the Detroit Pistons. Uh, So, yeah, he fires on all cylinders. He really has only had, I'd say, two bad games against the Hornets when he has played significant minutes. He's been amazing this year. Out of 21 games. Yeah, I think, you know, if if he's going to make the all-star team, he's not going to get voted in. He just doesn't have that. He's going to be a coach's pick. He's going to be a coach's pick. And I think think he probably does, to be honest with you. He should. I I hope so. He's been been great. He really has been. All right, thanks for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Locked On Hornets. We'll be back with you tomorrow.